Welcome to the Health Coach Nation podcast. I'm your host, Haley Rowe, and I help you get clients consistently, market your standout offers, build your business foundations like your messaging, your niche, your offer, and I help you build a sustainable, profitable coaching business that works with your schedule. And I'm so excited to dive into the show. Here we go. I have a new free gift for you. It's my free time management system. And this is something that you're going to actually be able to stick with. It's nothing too fancy. It's not going to require spreadsheets. And it's basically teaching you how to love your calendar, how to plan your week and prioritize the result producing activities, how to prevent procrastination and keep getting better and better at time management with my five reflection questions you can use weekly. And it's what I personally used when I was juggling so many side jobs when I was first growing my business. So I can't wait to share it with you. It's at HaleyRowe.com slash time planning. It's all one word. And if you need the direct link or you can't find it, just feel free to DM me at Haley underscore Rowe. Mention the time management system and I will get you the exact link. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, everyone. I'm here today with Lisa Hammett. Is that how you say your last name? Yep, correct. (laughs) Awesome. And she is a success coach. She's been a TEDx speaker. I believe she's an author as well, right, Lisa? I am. Um, And she's going to tell you a little bit about herself. But today, we as business owners together wanted to come on to talk with other business owners about struggles with people pleasing and overwhelm because we are at a time in business where there's more things you can even imagine that people are telling you you should be doing and there's more uh, expectations I think too than ever before so we're going to talk a little bit about that today but Lisa why don't you introduce yourself first and we'll get into it. Okay. Thank you so much, Haley. This is great. I'm happy to be here. So as as Haley mentioned, I am a success coach. And in 2005, I reached burnout after 26 years in the corporate retail sector. And I left the industry at that time, started my health and wellness journey and lost uh, 65 pounds. And I've been health and wellness coaching now, um, gosh, for over 11 years. And then during the pandemic, I added the life coaching piece to it because obviously weight gain, unhealthy behavior is a byproduct of a bigger issue. And most often it's due to stress. So I formed my coaching practice and now my niche is really helping executives and business owners manage stress to prevent burnout so they can live a happy, fulfilled life. So, and as you mentioned, yes, I did write my first book that came out late last year, From Burnout to Best Life. Love that. Love that title. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about when you were burnt out, what were you doing that was leading to that? And how did you start to like navigate stopping some of those behaviors? Great question. So if you've ever been in the retail sector, any where, you know, the service industry, you're kind of at the mercy of when the clients shop or patron. And so it's very, very long hours. And even when I was in the corporate aspect of it, it was still an expectation that, you know, you work ungodly hours because you're constantly revising plans based on the economy and basically what the customer's doing. So I started to get really stressed. And I 
was not doing a good job at managing my stress. And I did not set healthy boundaries at all, which is one reason I was really overwhelmed. So I just let it compound and I developed poor eating, sleeping habits and relationship suffering, the whole bit. So then I, in a moment of desperation, quit a 26-year career at a high-paying salary because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. I felt like I'd hit a wall. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people, hopefully, before they get to that point. Because when we feel so desperate and so overwhelmed, we sometimes make a really drastic decision that can have very difficult implications and can be you know, difficult to overcome. So, yeah. So it sounded like you developed some habits around sleep and eating and, you know, scheduling that wasn't working for you. And eventually you made a choice out of kind of desperation and burnout to leave exactly. your job. Um, now, when you say healthy boundaries, how can somebody, you know, a lot of people who listen to this kind of stuff are high performers. We mm -hmm. want to be the best. We really care about our clients and it's very easy in a job that is a service-based job to really like revolve around your clients, answer them at all hours of the day, uh, not set clear boundaries. So what are some initial steps we can make to overcome that like people pleasing, no boundary type of tendency? Yeah, great question. Uh, it's really learning how to set um, healthy boundaries by saying no. And saying no is so hard for many people because, well, in the business space, if they say no, they're like, oh my gosh, I'll lose business. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're working for somebody, oh, I might not be a team player. You know, I, could, I might not get promoted or, you know, whatever. Um, so in the business sector, it can be scary, but also personally too. If we don't learn to say no, we're going to let others control our schedule and then we'll never be able to take care of ourselves. So it's really learning how to say no. And I found the easiest way to do that is just to be honest and to come up with a solution, especially if you're in the business space. So if somebody asks you to do a project um, and you just know that you're not going to be able to put in the amount of time that you need to, or it's going to delay something else, or it's just going to cause undue stress, just being honest and saying, you know, I have a really full plate right now, or if your boss is coming to you and asking you to do something, just say, you know, my concern is that if I say yes to this, I'm not going to be able to complete X, Y, and Z, which is what you wanted me to complete, and then offer a solution. You know, is it, uh, would it be doable if I could uh, finish this task at this time, or maybe suggest somebody else that can help you out? Um, so that's a, a good way to, to manage from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective, just be honest. You know, again, we want to be liked. We do. There's that people-pleasing uh, component to all of us, and we don't want people to think ill of us. But, you know, if we don't learn to say no, then we're just going to be miserable. So just be honest. Just say, oh, I have a really full plate. That sounds wonderful, but I'm going to have to decline. And don't apologize. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Do not apologize for saying no. Yes, I love that. And one of the things that I read that really made an impact on me is instead of saying, sorry, this is late or sorry, I can't take this on right now. 
saying something like, thank you for your patience is really a good way to, to turn that around. And also when you said that, um, you can say no, or you can ask a question. So I really like, if you're like new, if you're like a hardcore people pleaser, you're probably not going to jump straight away to saying no to a lot of things. You might just like taking it on and it's like baby steps. But one of those baby steps, as Lisa said, can be, um, Hey, I think my concern is blank. And would it be possible if, and those two statements, would it be possible? Because then you're not saying no flat out. You're saying, can we work together on coming up with a solution and being solutions oriented? I um, recently last week was going to be traveling on a Friday. And so I'm always like in advance notice, like, hey, clients, Friday is the day I will be a little bit slower to respond. Um, But, you know, get your questions in. And I think that just clear communication makes it so much easier. And there's no like guesswork or anything like that. And it doesn't mean anything bad or, you know, just giving mm-hmm. that advance notice. Um, now, what about people who feel immediate guilt for saying no? How do you manage your feelings around it? How do you shift your perspective on saying no? That it, It's a hard thing to do and it takes practice. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So you just kind of have to do it. And you know, I spend a lot of time with my clients on helping them manage stress in the moment. And I do that by developing mental fitness. And mental fitness is a great way to take those negative sabotaging thoughts that can be really destructive and derail our best effort so that we regress back into, you know, negative patterns, helps us recognize it, and then shifts us to a positive mindset. So, you know, having a tool in your toolbox that can help you do that. Again, it's really recognizing that you're doing it and what is triggering you and then, you know, finding a way to shift and get over that guilt because that is just self-sabotage. Your brain does not provide factual information. It's just fabricated crap, I hate to say, that we develop. So we have to recognize that our thoughts are not facts. Love that. Our thoughts are not facts. And actually, in this live caption, I put a link to my free Overwhelm Cheat Sheet and Masterclass. And part of it goes through separating the facts from the story. So highly recommend that if you guys are struggling with overwhelm and like on that verge of burnout and want to reprioritize things, it will be useful for that. And if you're listening to the replay, obviously, you can message me on Instagram or something if you need the link. But um, let's talk about mental fitness. You said what, what is mental fitness? Can you explain that? Absolutely. So it's basically, um, in a nutshell, it's recognizing those negative thought patterns that reside in your left analytical brain and intercepting them so that you can shift more readily to a positive mindset. So, for example, your negative brain, I shouldn't just say your negative brain, it's your left brain is great for problem solving one task at a time. So we need it. But unfortunately, what we have learned to believe it was a false truth is that when we um, do multitasking, we're more efficient. 
Well, our, our brain is not designed to multitask. That was actually designed by IBM to run applications in the background for computers so they could run multiple apps at the same time. So we put a lot of stress on ourselves in our left brain because we try to force it to do something it's not designed to do. So that is kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's recognizing when these negative thought patterns occur and it's things like anger, shame, blame, fear, um, depression can be even be a part of it. Even procrastination, which we don't necessarily think of that in terms of like a real negative. Well, sometimes we think that we're lazy, but it's really a fear of doing something that makes us uncomfortable. So it's recognizing that. And then when we do a simple practice that engages our senses, you can think of it as like a micro meditation and it takes about 10 to 15 seconds and you can zero in on something you can see, something you can hear, something you can touch. When you do that, it starts to shift that focus from the left brain to the right brain. And when you're right brain focused, you see the big picture, you're clear headed Everything kind of shifts, and I'm not saying you have to work hard towards something, but it isn't hard. There's like ease and flow, and kind of equate it to being in the zone. If you've ever been in the zone, if you're a runner, or if you're, you know, trying to write, or just on a project, and things just seem to be going smoothly, you're right brain dominant. Got it. Is that similar or different to like our prefrontal cortex versus our primal brain? It is a little different, but it's all kind of interrelated. You know, mental fitness is based on neuroscience and cognitive behavioral theory. There's lots of research behind it. So it is a little different, but it is kind of all interrelated. And it's really, again, just understanding how our left brain can really hijack our behavior. Mm -hmm. And there are these ways that we can shift the focus in the moment. And that's what I like because, you know, if you're getting triggered at work because somebody is confronting you or you're talking to a client on the phone or it could even be, you know, a partner, a spouse, a good friend, you know, you can't just say, excuse me, I need to take a break. I'm going to go do yoga in the corner or, you know, whatever your way of managing stress is, you have to be able to react right then so you can kind of quiet that before you escalate the problem by just reacting. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I love that topic of pattern interrupts because I think that um, so often, not only in our, even if there's a personal habit you want to break, like just having a plan of when this happens, because so often we just act like, well, next time I'll just be better and I'll say no. Or, but if you don't like actually break down, like, wait, what happened in that moment? What was racing through my mind? Why did I say yes? What was I trying to avoid feeling? And how next time, what might I do to like pause for a second before I just reactively be like, yes, I will do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So great points. Now let's talk about um, procrastination and overwhelm a little bit. So mm-hmm. you mentioned we have these ways of coping or responding or reacting. And I think one of them is procrastination. So mm-hmm. first, tell me a little bit about um any tips you might have for procrastination? Well, it goes back to really a lot of it can be handled through mental fitness, but 
you know, the underlying cause for procrastination is fear. It's either fear of success, fear of failure, but it's avoiding doing something that makes us uncomfortable. And as humans, we tend to take the path of least resistance. We do not like things to be uncomfortable. And that's why oftentimes we don't do things or sustain certain habits because they're not created in such a way that they are sustainable. So, The key is to, if you're working towards a goal or developing a habit, is to break it down into little bite-sized chunks that are, I I like to call it almost stupid simple, where you would think, oh my gosh, I could totally do that. That's not even really a goal. No, it is. And the thing is, is you want to build traction because, again, your mind serves up all this mind trash. And how do you feel when you set a goal and you don't achieve it? You feel like crap and you're like, I I can't do this. You know, it just makes you feel worse. So you want to build momentum and make yourself feel better. So if there is something that you're consistently procrastinating on and then it's creating overwhelm because you're stressed and you know you do it, you need to do it. Break it down in such a way so that it's almost stupid simple. And it it would have to be these little consecutive steps. Don't try to bite off, you know, the whole thing at one time because that that's not going to work. And give yourself some grace. You know, yeah. you're human. Yeah. And I know so many people will think, well, little bite-sized chunks are not enough. I'm not going to move fast enough. I'm not going to get far enough. But the truth is, the longer you put off breaking it down and, and you know if you are not where you want to be right now the longer you're not going to build that momentum so you might as well start with that doable plan and let your brain think it's not enough let your brain think you're never going to get there but that's how we build trust with ourselves and honor our own commitments and that builds a lot of confidence and then suddenly procrastination becomes less of a thing for us because we're less fearful because we know if we say we're going to do something we actually do it right exactly so one of the things in my um inner circle program is we have a business protocol part where they create like a realistic plan of what their week's going to look like or what they're going to be doing for their business that week and i always recommend like be don't just say i'm going to post you know i'm going to post this week no how many posts can you actually stick with how many podcast pitches are you actually going to be able to realistically, knowing that you're going to have to write the pitch, edit it, blah, blah, blah. Are you actually going to be able to do it? And we start somewhere and we develop what is the plan so we can actually look at the plan if it's not working or if we need to amp it up or if we need to take things out because they need to reprioritize. And that way it's like something you can track. Um, so tell me a little bit about... Um, when you were overwhelmed. So like when we are business owners, we have a lot of competing priorities. We have our client delivery. We have usually if we're a solopreneur, we have to do our own marketing. You know, we have calls and meetings and all that kind of stuff. So any tips for, um, you know, I know we said breaking things down, but when overwhelm comes up or we're telling a story that we're maybe catastrophizing a little bit, any (laughs) um, suggestions to about how you manage overwhelm. Yes, absolutely. And this um this may seem stupid. I I don't want to say stupid, but kind of remedial, but time blocking is so important. And I will use this as an example. I would block off times, you know, clearly for appointments and um if you know, doctors appointments what have you. But 
I wasn't blocking off like certain days. And what was happening is people were booking calls with me all over the place. There was no set schedule. I did allow for breaks, but it was stressing me out and overwhelming me. So I finally, it took a while, but I finally blocked off certain days for doing certain tasks. So if you are very task driven and have a lot of things on your plate, you need to do that as well and stick to it. Because and eliminate distractions, because that that's the problem, too. It's, you know, turn your phone off if you can for X amount of time, or at least put it on silent, put it away somewhere. And so that you can 100% focus. And again, it may sound remedial. But once you get control of your schedule, a lot of that overwhelm goes away because you are managing your time. Your time isn't managing you. Does that make sense? Yes, I'm a huge fan of time blocking, even like break schedule when you're driving, schedule yes. the buffer time it might take if there's a tech issue in whatever you're doing today. Like so there has true. to be that plan because then you don't freak out when you're like, wait, oh my God, I've only gotten to three things on my list. Yeah. Time blocking actually allows you to see realistically, like, did I put way too much on my list today? You know what yeah. I mean? Um so one of the other things, though, that people get overwhelmed about is they're like, well, I don't know how long something's going to take me. I don't know how long that call is going to be. I don't know how long a post is going to be. Or my post takes me two hours. I wish it took me less time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so there's like that pressure of like, well, I don't want to put it on a schedule because what if this happens or what if it takes me longer? So um, what would you say to that kind of like concern? That's kind of an excuse, first and foremost. It's an excuse, and you're allowing yourself to sabotage yourself, basically. So you need to assign a time. It is. It is what it is, and stick to it. And if you're not finished and you have to go to something else, then you have to go to something else. But maybe overcompensate. I mean, if it's something that you know is going to take a good amount of time, then pad in, you know, 45 minutes or an hour or 30 minutes, you know, whatever it is. But stop making excuses. That's an excuse for doing it because it's uncomfortable. And once you start doing it, it will get more comfortable. Yep. Okay. I'm going to throw you another excuse. Sure. And that is, I love being spontaneous. I don't want my day to be planned or batched. I want to have like room to be uh, spontaneous. So then I would ask the question, how productive are you? And are you accomplishing what you need to set out to do? Because I would guarantee that you're probably not. So what you can do is schedule time to be spontaneous. I know that seems yep. weird, but schedule me time, self-care, whatever it is. And if it's really important for X amount of time, then, you know, it could be four hours. It could be a day. It could be half a day. It could be an hour. Whatever it is, that is your time to do whatever. And you can just say free time, but you have to do it. Yeah. Because otherwise, you won't be productive and you won't achieve your goals. Amen. You're speaking words from my mouth. <laughs> I brought this up on a group call like two weeks ago. We were talking about spontaneity and like scheduling your free time and stuff. And actually, I think I feel more free when I do that because then I'm actually able to be present and I'm not thinking about all the stuff I didn't get done and all the stuff I should be doing and like that I didn't have a, you know, 
I had, I like structure though. So I will say that, but, mm -hmm. um, okay. One question for you about your TEDx talk. So mm -hmm. tell us what your TEDx talk topic was and tell me a little bit about that process just for business owners listening uh, any like takeaways you had from it or anything like that. Yes, absolutely. So, um, this was the first, uh, speaking engagement that I had ever done that I had to 100% memorize. So I'm a public speaker. I speak often. I do conferences, webinars, what have you. And I feel very comfortable speaking, but I run from a slide deck and I don't have to memorize. Well, when you do a TED or a TEDx, it's memorization and it's just constant. You just have to keep repeating and repeating yourselves and practicing until it kind of becomes second nature because the expectation is very high. So if you've ever considered doing a TEDx or a TED Talk, I encourage you to do it. Um, you can go to TED.com and you can find out all different ways to, to get involved that way. Um, but they do assign you a coach. So if you're like, oh gosh, yes, I do have something to say because they look for thought leaders and they do have a theme that you go around, but you can always spin your story into that theme. Um, I encourage you to do it because they will assign you a coach. Now, fortunately, I didn't have to spend hours and hours and hours with a coach because I'm, you know, pretty well versed in speaking, but he did give me some really good tips. So it was, it was a great experience. Um, my TED talk was actually talking about how to manage stress and other negative emotions in the moment by developing mental fitness. So I actually walked the audience through a mental fitness exercise at the end on how they could engage their senses and shift when they're feeling those negative thought patterns so they can shift to the positive right brain and have clear-headed focus and be calm. Very cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I saw it a little bit. Um, you had sent it to me. So maybe we can put that in the show notes when this is mm -hmm. a podcast, everybody. So if you want to check her out, you could do that. Um, Lisa, where can everybody connect with you, find you after this interview? My website is the best way. Thank you for asking that. Um, and it's real easy. It's lisahammett.com. So my name is up there. So it's lisahammett.com. Uh, you'll hear, you know, you'll see about, you know, what my background is. And I have a speaking page and my TEDx is up there. Also talk about my book. Um, so you can, and there's a link it's if you're curious about it and want to purchase or know somebody who might be interested in it. Um, so there's, you know, recommendations from various people who have worked with me and um, yeah, and links to my social media. So that's the best way to get a hold of me. And you can email me directly from there as well. Great. Yes. And that's two M's and two T's. And uh, thanks so much for coming today. Thank you. This has been great, Haley. I really enjoyed it. Me too. All right. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And if it's really helpful for you, I'd really appreciate if you share it and or leave a written podcast review. This tells the podcast sites that our show is useful and it will be promoted to more people that way. Thanks again.